Young are live every Friday morning at 9 o'clock or 9.05-ish to talk NFL football across the country, all kinds of different things. I'm Scott Kennedy. I live in Atlanta. This guy over here is Nick Kendall. He lives in Seattle. So we are coast to coast with your football coverage. That's where we came up with the name. But frankly, we like football across the country. We're not just regional guys or team guys. We like the process. We like the general manager aspects of it. We like the NFL draft aspects of it. That's one of the things we do. And we also talk about the weather just a little bit, (laughs) just to kind of get the small talk going. Cooled off here in Atlanta, but it's kind of a fake out. We got 90s coming next week, Nick. How are you doing? Doing okay. It's going to be, looks like a weather window tomorrow. So I think I'm going to climb a mountain out here called Vesper Peak. Uh, It's about eight miles and 4,500 feet of elevation gain on the trail. So it's a scramble at the end. Probably leave here at about 4.30 a.m. to be out there and do it. So uh, excited. I haven't been out there very much here the last, you know, three weeks or so because of the smoke. And uh, talking about coast-to-coast football, hey, Maybe that's a name for the new ACC conference. They can be the C2C uh, with the addition of, I don't know, but that's there you SMU. Go. That makes sense. I like it. S- we might have to, I, I've got coast Trademark. to coast football. I think one of those, uh, I've got the URL. I might have to squat on a couple more with the new ACC going the Atlantic coast conference, taking academic powerhouses, uh, Cal and Stanford, and then uh, SMU as well. I've always said, you know, who started it? The Big Ten, you know, the Big Ten when they added their 11th and 12th. I'm like, these college football guys, are they're just not very good at math. Well, it turns out they're not worth a damn at geography either, Nick. Mm, yeah. Uh, they had, I think the 11th team in the Big Ten was Penn State like a long time ago. Been and then a while, they added... like in the, in yeah. probably mid to late 90s would be my yes. guess. Because I feel like they were one of the 94 undefeated teams that, or had one loss teams that thought, how come they're not in it? Mm-hmm. Well, because there could only be two and someone's going to get left out. Yeah. So they added Penn State and then they added, I think they added Nebraska next to make it 12. And then they added Maryland and Rutgers. And from there, all hell has broken loose. Uh, so now we have the news of the Stanford and Cal presidents voting and agreeing upon uh, Stanford and Cal going as well as SMU. And SMU took like a crazy deal. Like they agreed to took like no money for 10 years from the conference. Just let us it, in. Just yeah. let us in. <laughs> really? We'll that's, <laughs> you. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'm already uh, broaching uh, the Big Ten saying, hey, maybe we can make a trade here. We'll give uh, Rutgers and Maryland to the uh, ACC and we can take Cal and Stanford just to give those West Coast teams their own uh, bracket there. But uh, I, who knows what the future of college football holds. Uh, crazy times here. And uh, the Pac-12 is officially done, man. I feel so bad for the fans of Oregon state and Washington state. I mean, they, you, you got nothing now. I can't imagine what's next for them. Yeah. You know, they say like location, 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 you know, I mean, that's Washington state and Oregon state. I kind of think of as like the Mississippi state of the sec. Well, you know, Mississippi state's a good program in a good area and they're in solid footing. You know, they've had their chance. They, they haven't won. Uh, they haven't won the conference. Uh, ever i won't say ever but since they've gone into the split they won the sec championship game which started in 92 i think maybe 91 so it's been 30 plus years but they're competitive in other sports mm-hmm. you know baseball's really big down there they've had some really good basketball teams here and there and they're uh they're a nice solid sec program they're one of those that you don't necessarily if they're on they could beat you at you know uh, any any given week and they make the best defensive tackles 
Uh, <laughs> they make great defensive tackles. Well, I knew that watching junior college football down in Mississippi when I was scouting guys. Yeah. Um, on that note, let's get into our topic. We didn't mean to turn this into an ACC. We will turn this into draft before too long, though. I promise yeah. that, y'all. We will we'll, we'll start talking some uh, draft. I watched a little bit of uh, a couple of the games last night. Utah looked okay, but Florida looked awful. Speaking of Pac-12 and uh, and SEC there. But, uh, you know, we got football coming up in less than a week. So mm -hmm. we wanted to hit on some of the big storylines that, you know, I'm sure everybody else has hit on, but we haven't. And yeah. I wanted to talk, you know, looking at it, Nick, I'm like, to me going in, I don't, honestly, I don't pay that much attention to the national media. I do not watch these talking head shows. I, mm -hmm. I watch games. I watch what happens, player maneuvers. I follow the insiders. Like, I'll, I'll follow Schefter and Rappaport and those guys to see what's happening so then mm -hmm. I can make a decision on it. And But for me still, the biggest storyline coming up in week one is Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. And yeah. as I was looking at the schedule, I'm like, all right, well, when do they play? I'm like going all the way down. I'm like, they put them on Monday night, didn't they? Yeah, Monday night football, Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets, Buffalo Bills. That's got to be the top story of week one. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, we've had a lot of Jets in the news here recently. Honestly, I'm getting kind of tired of them, but uh, it's probably just, you know, is what it is. Uh, the Rodgers stuff, calling it uh, MetLife, JetLife Stadium, and all the uh, stuff going on with the Giants. So the Jets play the Giants, I think, week six or something. So that'll be some fun. And the Jets have a unbelievably hard schedule uh, to start off the year as well. I think they played the Chiefs week two or pretty early on as well. Buffalo is obviously a really uh, settled team that has Super Bowl aspirations. So the Jets are going to be really interesting. Everybody's talking about the Jets, the Jets, and all the you know, Aaron Rodgers and all the you know, Dalvin Cook there and the offense. But for me, it, it's the defense, man. That Jets defense, I think they have a pretty darn good chance to be one of the top three defenses in the NFL this season. I feel pretty good with that. Jermaine uh, Johnson, I think is coming on. Quinnen Williams is one of the superstar interior defensive linemen in football, in my opinion, right now, top four, top five, uh, former top three pick and uh sauce Gardner too. I mean, just they have, and outside of their superstar players, they just have solid players all around as well on that uh, defense. So I really like, the Jets defense this year and they should be getting more hype. The way I looked at it is they were competitive and credit to Robert Sala and, and the staff there and the players that they had, they were competitive despite arguably the worst quarterback play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, and that says something to me because now you've gotten one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And so, Oh, well, Aaron Rodgers, you know, fell off this, that last year, Nick and I were doing a, a show similar to this. And we were talking Green Bay Packers. I'm like, th their whole strategy is we'll we'll get defense and Aaron Rodgers will just carry the offense. Mm -hmm. I was not surprised that the Packers fell off last year. You know, they they just it reminded me of a baseball team watching the Braves in the 90s. They had great pitching and they went a little light on their hitting. By the time you get to the playoffs, everybody's got pitchers mm -hmm. and you don't have any bats. So they wouldn't win the play in the playoffs. That's kind of what it made me think of. It's like, yeah, you've got enough of a regular season team with a good defense in Aaron Rodgers. But by the time you get to the NFL, most teams have good defenses and good. They're, they're just the, the competition was too much for them. So I wasn't surprised. Aaron Rodgers is one season removed from back-to-back -back MVPs. He can still play. I know there will be a time where it's going to be done. I don't think that time's yet. Will he be? The best Aaron Rodgers we've ever seen? No. Does he need to be for this to be a playoff team? No. 
the big question for me on the Jets is the offensive line. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. I know that they've had some real up and down and questions with uh, Mackay Becton out there. Uh, he's been, you know, erratic. Billy Turner, everyone's favorite out there in the backup spot. Dwayne Brown's been older. And they got your guy, Scott, uh, one of your big draft crushes out there. And he's as good as rookie year. And I thought he uh, regressed a little bit last season in uh, Elijah Vera Tucker uh, from USC playing right guard, I believe. So offensive line is the one that's the big watch. And when you have a quarterback that's dealt with some injuries here the last five years, like Rodgers, and at his age, protecting him is probably going to be the make or break of the season. And you mentioned this, you mentioned the schedule. And this could be one of those teams that starts off three and four. Mm-hmm. And everybody's writing off the Jets, and then they win four in a row at the end of the year and get hot. You know, that's the the thing of the playoffs is not every game really matters. Um, so it, you mentioned the schedule though, but it's Bills at Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs at Broncos, Eagles at Giants, Chargers. Whew. I mean, there's a chance every one of those teams could be in the playoffs at the end of the year. Um, that's, that is a tough slate. Uh, we go live at nine o'clock every morning on, uh, youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. And we go live because we like to have our, our community in here. So I want to say hello to the folks that have started to come in like Roderick Cook coming in from across the pond. He says, afternoon, everyone. Hello, Roderick. Hope you're doing well. Keith Robbins is saying good morning. Uh, Brandon Swank is saying, he's asking a Falcons question. Says, what grade do you give the Falcons before the season start? Incomplete. No, I'm I'm teasing. Um, I, I think based on the resources available, I think they've done a very, very good job. I would probably give them an A minus for building up the roster uh, with the available draft picks and available draft uh, uh, salary cap space that I think they've done a really good job in the offseason to 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 strengthen the team in the trenches on defense solidify their playmakers, lock down their their uh, their offensive line and, and their free agents, lock those guys up at decent rates. And this team will be better than they were the last two years, no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. How much better is going to depend on how well Desmond Ritter plays. And if you read the national media, then they, they're going to be worse and they're going to win four games and picking top three next year. That's insane to me just because of all of the good things that they've done for a seven went back to back seven win team. And they are better in just about every spot or the same or better in just about every spot on this roster. Yeah. I think the Falcons are had a pretty good off season overall and they didn't just completely go for it this season as well. They have flexibility. This is a checkpoint for them as well. The defense, they brought in a lot of short term kind of options as well on the defense outside of Bates. So you can, easily continue to add to that poke and product and see what works for you under this, uh, under the new defensive coordinator. And if Desmond Ritter isn't the guy, you're still in a position where you can be aggressive. It's going to be a deep quarterback class next year. I'm guessing just where the NFL is at right now. Uh, what we've seen the last two years, veterans are being moved around left and right. Uh, so you could easily be in one of the aggressive teams to bring in one of those B level quarterbacks. If Ritter isn't getting it done, yeah, which could be good the- enough. You could hit the lottery like the Seahawks did last year. Take one mm-hmm. of those B-level quarterbacks and Geno Smith him and have a phenomenal year where everybody's looking and saying, "Is that the guy? And, and Nick, maybe they did. Maybe that's yeah. Taylor Heineke. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's that guy. Maybe. Um, you never know. I mean, how many people were saying, I wasn't. I absolutely wasn't saying. They got Geno Smith. Okay, they're kind of just 
working, they're rebuilding and working for the draft. Well, mm -hmm. Geno Smith had a career year and they're going for the playoffs. Um, so Falcons have had a very good offseason. Very, very good offseason. They're better in just about every spot uh, on the team. That's all you can ask for, really. Hunter Realist says, good morning, Nick and Scott. I hope all is well. To you as well. Alan coming in on YouTube saying, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Jay Gribben, uh, old longtime friend of mine, comes in. says, good morning, y'all. Good morning to you as well. Mark Lindemoon, howdy, Scott Nick. Checking out your show here. Appreciate you. Appreciate you coming in. Um, let me see here. Jay asked a question. He says, do the Falcons win the South? You know what? Um, that's one of the things we're going to get into. We'll go, we're going to do a thing at the end. I picked out some over under on wins that I want to throw by Nick and see what he thinks. Something that kind of, some that kind of stood out to me. We'll hit on those and I'll rapid fire them. And then we'll kind of say, go through and say, who's your division winner. So we'll do that towards the end of the show. And, and Mark says, is this show uh, about all teams across the board or just the Falcons? Mark, I'm not even streaming this one to the Falcons Facebook page I have because this we might not talk Falcons hardly at all on this one. We we will because we'll we'll talk things that impact the Atlanta Falcons, like rookie of the year candidates. Mm -hmm. And if you have questions, we'll probably ask them, answer them. But this is uh, coast to coast football. You read it in the title. This is an NFL show, not a team specific show. Um, I thought this was a politics show. I thought we were getting it. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> get me banned on here. You'll get me canceled. Start talking politics. Um, morning, Scott and Nick. What's good, football fans? Uh, Gatorade Gaming comes in. So next storyline, we talked um, We talked Aaron Rodgers, Jets, Bills. Aaron, let me ask you that one. Talk mm -hmm. about this, a big storyline. Who wins that game? Bills. Bills. <laughs> I, I got mean, the Bills still. Again, I agree. The Bills are just farther ahead. I mean, the Bills yeah. are one of the Super Bowl favorites in this league. They're farther ahead. They're better right now, at least we think, that you, you got to go Bills. And that doesn't mean it will be the season for overreacting and the 24-7, the you know, on ESPN, the Ocho, someone will be there talking about what a disaster this was and how they should have never gotten Aaron Rodgers, blah, 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 blah. The 17 mm -hmm. game season, like I said, the Jets could start three and four and win the freaking Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a tough schedule. Finish at the end where you get into the dance, and they've got a good team and they'll have a chance. Yeah, and uh, Vegas has the Bills, even though they're on the road, 2.5 favorites. Uh, so that's that's about right. I think like less than a field goal, but still giving it to the uh, the Bills. Actually, I think I might take the Jets in the spread there. I think it, I would be a little more comfortable with 1.5. The 2.5, I think it's going to be close because uh, that, again, that Jets defense is really good. Uh, so I, just I think, think anything under three is a pick them to me. It, it is. I think it is. You know? pick so it's like yeah. if I like them, if, if I like a team to win and if I see two and a half, I'd bet on the team to win to cover. Okay. I That's kind of how I feel about it. You know, yeah. it's like it, it's such, such a tight. It's like I can't pick them to win and then only win by one. This isn't baseball. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it is so I would I would still take on a spread two and a half or under the team I pick to win I'm going to pick to cover okay and I, I would tell you this isn't a game I would bet on yeah you know it, it's something like that if I thought it was going to be a one point win like you're saying then I wouldn't bet on it I'm not betting on a margin that small yeah I'm just saying I think that the Bills win but it's so small that I might actually take the jets on that one because i think it is as you said a pick them i would still pick the bill straight up but with the point margin there it's that close for me because uh, yeah, again I, mean, I, jets I defense is good i like the bills in this to cover yeah frankly we'll see. 
Yeah. You know, so I, I would I would take I would take the Bills to cover. If I thought it was gonna be a one point game, I would steer everybody clear of a line that's under three. Just yep. steer clear. Yep. Um, you know, unless you thought the other team again, if you thought it was gonna be a one point game, that's too close a margin for me to bet on. Um, you know, and um here, who is it just says uh Gatorade Gaiman was just saying that Josh Allen is way too inconsistent, though. Um yeah, but we we don't know what kind of consistency we're going to get from the Jets. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've got much more track record here to go on with the Bills than we do the Jets. And Josh Allen might be inconsistent, but that's because his highs are Superman level, and his lows are good. You know, his his average is still better than most. That's what makes him seem inconsistent because he plays at a level that is, I think, uh, Nick likes to call it God mode, and then he looks human. Well, the human guy's still good enough to beat the Jets. And the Bills God mode, you're not beating him. No, yeah, he's when he's when he's at a ceiling, he's the best quarterback in football. But you're right about the erraticism. Part of that erraticism, though, I don't think is Josh Allen's fault. I think it's they just pretty much their offense. A lot of it has been like Josh Allen, go do something. They've not been very multiple. Aaron Rodgers, very similar to Aaron Rodgers. Even more so, though, like it's asking for those like. 99th percentile plays in arm talent and athleticism that like he really in a category of one uh, for guys who can do what he does with the arm talent and the size and the athleticism, the bills this year, I think they've realized that's been a problem because they've been a team that's been shotgun oriented. A lot of, you know, deep plays, 10, 11 personnel, not multiple, can't run the ball, not a lot of tight ends. I think they were one of the least tight end usage teams, uh, multiple tight end usage teams. What do they do this off season? They go out and get Osiris Torrance in the draft. They uh, bring in Dalton Kincaid in the first round. This is a team that I think is going to try to be a lot more. Yes, multiple. You just cannot hit the same hard button and ask Josh Allen to hit those impossible plays every time because then you are going to get the inconsistency through your quarterback because nobody can do that. You know, I I use this all the time, Nick. You're probably sick of me talking about it, but it's the difference between having a three-point shooter and a post player in in basketball. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to get the easy points Mm -hmm. if I'm going to win consistently. I can't. If you can have an off night shooting down in the post is pretty consistent. Um, you got to be able to get those third and eights to convert on. That's what your Dalton Kincaid is for. That's what your running game is for. Not on third and eight, but to make sure you don't get in third and eight. Um, and just be those more multiple. type of players. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah says, good morning. I seen the Dolphins released a running back. think they're going for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they did release a running back, and this is one of the top storylines of the week, if not the top storyline of the week, is Jonathan Taylor. And no, I don't think they're – let me rephrase. Yes, I think they were interested in Jonathan Taylor. No, I don't think they released this because they thought they were get him, getting him. And no, I don't think the Colts were serious about allowing a trade for Jonathan Taylor, Nick. I think that the Colts – I mean, just who they were asking for, it seems like it was not – Oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, it was a horse and pony show, whatever they call it. Uh, yeah. So it was, it's not really, oh, we want your best. It's like me. I'm like, okay, I want to trade. Uh, Cortland Sutton on the Broncos wants a trade. All right, we'll trade you. Hey, Chiefs, will you give us Patrick Mahomes? No? Okay, well, we tried. Um, so you have the uh, reports coming out now that the uh, Dolphins asked for Jalen Waddle, who is probably, honest to God, he might be the most underrated wide receiver in football. Uh, he is so good, and because he plays with Tyree Kill and in the same draft as uh, Heisman winner Donta Smith and top three wide receiver Jamar Chase. People don't really talk about Waddle, but he was incredible last season. And then they also asked for Christian Wilkins, who's one of the best 
top 10 defensive tackles in football as well. It's, I mean, both those guys are worth probably Waddle's worth two first round picks. Wilkins is probably worth a one and a three uh, for both those guys. And they're asking for a straight up one for Taylor. He's not, they're not going to get a one for him. Not, and pay him one, a not with one year left on a rookie no. deal. Um, and, and a thousand you know, he might've might been worth a one the same way Bijan Robinson was worth a one. Yes. But that's when you're talking about getting five years of control when you're down to one year of control on a running back who's got 2,000 carries on his legs in the last six years, 2,000 touches. Um, so I think, I think, I don't think they're serious again. Mm-mm. Um, you know, and then the Packers emerged as the mystery team that were after him. And coming from the Packers camp was, yeah, we offered him like a third or a second, and they came back, said they wanted a first rounder and Christian Watson. So my translation for this is. Hey, Chris Ballard, um, get Jim Irsay on the line so you can, you know, he can move your lips while he's talking. Um, we're interested in Jonathan Taylor. We'd like to send you a second. Oh, we want to send we that, that sounds good, but we'd rather have Christian Watson in a first. Oh, okay. You're you're actually not looking to trade him. I thought you guys were serious about this. If you get serious about this, you know my number. Click. They're they're not serious about trading Jonathan Taylor. They're not. And it's, it's just, I don't want to say it's malpractice. There's a word I cannot think of here, but it's, it was done in. It's, it's, it's disingenuous. Disingenuous. That is it from Ursay yeah. and everything. I feel bad for Taylor and just running backs in general. I feel bad for, I don't know what the solution is here. I mean, this is the NFL podcast. I'm sure at some point we'll be talking about the CBA, but like, do they need to change what running back contracts are? Or do they just need to change rookie contracts in general going forward? Like maybe make it where. Uh, it's three years with a fourth year option there and get those guys to the market earlier. I mean, teams will fight against that, but with these guys potentially in the impact of NIL in college football, maybe you need to start that clock. Uh, well, sooner the so other part of it is, is you need to get rid of the three-year rule in college. Yeah. That's if you're paying these guys, they're professionals in college. Now mm-hmm. you're, you're already, they, it's been an unholy coalition between the NCAA and NFL anyway to restrict trade it's in any other in any other line of business this would be against the law yeah. to to restrict people you cannot say you cannot have a job it, it would be against the law to do what the NFL does to college football players to make sure that they stay in college uh etc yeah. etc that's that would be illegal in anything but sports that's hard for me just a little bit not to kind of we want to talk NFL but because for running backs wide receivers edge rushers, some of those guys, uh, I, I agree with you that, you know, they could probably, some of those guys could do one year of college and be ready to go, but the body types for the offensive linemen, the defensive tackles, those guys do take time typically. So I guess my half brained solution on this one would be to let people kind of like the NBA does let people enter the draft. No, and- no, no, no. Like you don't, I, I don't think you know enough about baseball. You do it like baseball. Okay. Okay. Baseball. Everybody's eligible. Okay. Okay. I draft you, Nick. You're a sophomore at Iowa. Uh, actually, there is a little bit different rule because if you go to a three-year school, you have to stay three years. But I could go to mm-hmm. a junior college. You're at Northern Iron Community College and just finished your freshman year. I draft you in the third round. I'm the Atlanta Braves. I drafted you, mm-hmm. and you say, uh, "No thanks. I'm going to go to. Uh, I'm going to transfer to Iowa. Now I have to be at Iowa for two more years. But I could stay at Northern Northern Iowa Community College for another year." Now I'm the Pittsburgh Pirates. I drafted you the next year in the second round. I'm going to offer you a million dollars. No, that's not good enough. I'm going to go to Iowa now and play my third year. Hmm. I'm eligible again. 
It yeah. is up to the billion dollar industry to convince you that it is worth going pro. That's yeah. how Major League Baseball does it. And it's fantastic. Why wouldn't the NFL do that? They don't have to. They don't have to. Why would I want to? Why would I risk a draft pick? NFL owners, they don't want to risk. Why would I risk it? I don't have to have no. risk. Yeah. I'm, I'm a billionaire. I don't want risk. I want to put the risk on these 20 year old kids and their families who are scraping by. And if they don't do this, then what the hell are they going to do? I want to make him give up college hmm. and not play college football anymore. And maybe I'll think about taking him. It's unbelievably arrogant. And the NIL is going to change it. I don't know what the ramifications will be. And uh, like Arch Manning, who hasn't played a snap in college football yet, is making $13 million a year NIL. I mean, that's first-round pick money. Yep. Uh, so it's, I don't know. Now what you're in the... competition. Yes. See, now you're so... in competition with the NCAA instead of a coalition. Or um, not coercion is not the word I'm looking for. When you, It's it's, it's a coalition of sort, but that's not the word I'm yeah. looking for. I can't remember. It's co-op or something. Anyway, they work together unofficially, and it's it's kind of unfair to – it's unfair business practices to the players involved. Anyway. Especially the running backs. Especially the Jonathan running backs. Taylor. And you make every – you know, you're saying, I see some of these guys. Well, it would be up to me as a general manager to say, okay, this offensive tackle isn't ready, but they should all be eligible. Put mm -hmm. the risk on – the uh, put the risk on the billion dollar businesses, the NFL draft the Tyron Smith, who was 265 pounds after his freshman year at USC. And, and he says, you know what? I'm making $3 million to come back to college. I'm going to stay in college for one more year, but I've got the choice. It's just so hard because you'd probably have to implement a minor league system then as well. Cause there's just not enough starting snaps for some of these guys in the league and they have their own minor league they, system. Which is got it then. So don't, you don't draft that guy. That's my point is you have yeah. to, you have Hard. to take that risk. The risk should be on the, the professional franchise, the NFL team yeah. to say, okay, I don't want to take that risk on Tyron Smith. I'd rather have Reggie Bush. Cause he's ready to go. He's yeah. a running back that can come in and play right away. I'm not taking Tyron Smith just yet because he's not ready to play in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's hard because uh, the opportunities would be weird uh, for each of those guys. Also, We're really NFL, off the rails here, y'all. Apologies. <laughs> the NFL draft would have to expand by a lot too, right? Like you're talking like a 14, 15 round one. If so many guys go back, you don't think so? Because they're already expanding it, right? They're talking about moving it to nine rounds in a couple of years here. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. No, okay. No, I don't think so. If you you go back, you use your. I don't think you would have to. Um, but expand the practice squads a little bit if you wanted to. But mm -hmm. again, would you rather be on a practice squad or would you rather stay at a big time division one school? I'd, I'd make more money at, at NIL. I'd make, I'd make more money as uh, the starting left tackle for the yeah. Georgia Bulldogs than I would Justin Schaefer, who has spent two seasons on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad. I'd, I'd yeah. rather stay in college. That's a good thing for players. The problem is nobody gives a flying F about the players. They yeah. care about their teams. They care about, and the, the fans care, care about, about their the teams. They care about their teams. They don't care about the individuals for the most part. Yeah. And the business owners sure as hell don't no. care about the welfare of the players. I promise you that no. they don't care about what's best for the players. I do. I'm a fan of the players. I watch mm. this game because of the players. Yeah. Think of the profits though, Scott, the, the, the bottom line, uh, Gary gaming coming in saying, I thought the NFL was working towards the XFL being the minor leagues. I think the XFL is working towards that, but the NFL is 
as a loose no, it is a little bit though it, it is yeah. and this this is more choices more choices are good i've always railed yeah. on the monopoly that the nfl has and how it's just so bad for the players mm-hmm. uh and, and the monopoly is is in college football it's in high school football to college football to nfl there's one path if you want to make a living playing football to have these expansions is better because it gives guys more chances to make a living. It's like, okay, well, he's making Jonathan Taylor's upset because he's in the the 15th highest rated, highest paid uh, running back at four and a half million dollars this year when he should be in the top five. And he wants to make sure he gets paid 25 over the next three seasons before he's out of legs. Okay. That's a different, different discussion than this player who isn't good enough to make the NFL can go to the XFL and make $80,000. Well, for most people, $80,000 is a nice living to mm-hmm. go and do that and to play professional football. That's a good thing. And yeah. they change the contracts. The XFL has a contract that if you sign, if you get an invite to come try out, they'll let you out of your contract. So they mm-hmm. are working actively with the NFL. They are. And as the NCA becomes more and more professional, and they will be in competition with players for the NFL. We're going to see big, big changes over the next 10 years. Yeah, it's it's next really changing here. Three years. Yeah. I think, I mean, <laughs> Money will speed things up rapidly. Yep, it will. And I saw we had a question in here from uh, Rob saying, good morning, Nick and Deacon Scott. Happy Friday. Thoughts on Fabian Moreau making the Broncos roster. Scott, I know you're a huge fan. This is a short-term move. Without a doubt, the Broncos put three players on the short-term IR and three of them or two of them were uh, defensive backs. Fabian Moreau is one of those last guys on the roster and uh, they'll probably rotate him on and off here. He's really cheap. He'll probably be a game day inactive and he honestly might be released as soon as they are confident that uh, Riley Moss Broncos third round draft pick from this last year is healthy and good to go. Uh, He's dealing with a sports hernia like industry. Uh, So we'll see how, that plays out, but I think Moreau is just here as long as those three defensive backs are hurt and potentially out. Um, maybe he's willing to put forth more of an effort for a team that was that could be going somewhere. For the Atlanta Falcons, he wasn't putting forth that effort, uh, is what I would say. So you said, what did I have to think about it? Let's see. December 19th, 2021. This is from my Falcons uh, Twitter account. Stephen Means, Deron Harbin, and Fabian Moreau just cannot be starters next season. Uh, December 19, 2021, Fabian Moreau makes Deion Sanders look like Ronnie Lott. Deion was known for not wanting to tackle anybody. Um, and Fabian would actually, if there was a if there was a sweep coming to his side on corner, he would basically let the wide receiver block him out of bounds. I called him a sideline hunter. He he had absolutely no desire to try and, and set the edge and get in, in, involved. Um, yeah, here we go. December 12th, the week before that, um, Stephen means can't set an edge and Fabian Moreau is getting blocked to the bench. Every play. It's too easy. That was Atlanta against Carolina. Um, there we go. 80% of the earth is covered by water. None of the rest of the earth is covered by Fabian and Moreau. That was someone coming in with a reply. I was shocked, shocked. He made the 53 with the Broncos. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's short term. There's no doubt to me uh, that it'll be short term. Yeah. And I guess he played okay with the giants last year. Okay. Again, 
that Falcons team in 2021 wasn't going anywhere. And it reminded me of Roger Dorn. I go free agent this year and, you know, major league, I go free agent this year and I'm not about to risk injury or defacing this property for a collection of stiffs. Um, but Moreau was a, a nickelback reserve who was signed from the commanders, the Washington football team Redskins at the time to come over and, uh, and be a starter. And he was woeful. He was, he was the worst player on a, he was the worst defensive player because Jalen Mayfield was the worst player on that team. Uh, he was the worst defensive player on a bad defense. Just, it was frustrating. I give guys benefit of the doubt. I give Jalen Mayfield benefit of the doubt. He's bad. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault he was playing. He tried. He stunk. Mm-hmm. I give him credit for going out there and battling in the trenches and playing his ass off, even though he was woefully outmatched. Fabian Moreau hid. He 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 hid. And that that bothers me. That yeah. that I will I will get on a player about that more than somebody who's just flat out not good enough. That's yeah. that's not their fault. That's a failing of the franchise. That was a failing of the Atlanta Falcons that Jalen Mayfield had to play left guard, that Steven Means had to play edge. That's a mm-hmm. failing of the franchise. Yeah, and I not, think it's not necessarily them. And stuff like that is contagious, right? Like on both ends. Like you have physical guys making hits and they feed off of that. But then if you have guys, you know, half assing it, you know, with the physicality and the run fits and whatnot, that's there's a trickle down on that one. So uh it's a uh, I don't think he's going to be in Denver for long. I guess is the the short story. The saying I use all the time that I I kind of I don't know if I'm I'm the only person I'm the only person I've heard say it. So maybe I came up with it. But you know they say you can't measure someone's heart, and you hear that all the time. I agree. You can't measure it, but by God, I can tell when a player's got one or not. Mm-hmm. Watch them off the ball. Watch what happens in special teams. If you've got a star running back and another guy, if you got two guys back returning kicks. Watch what the guy who doesn't get the ball does. Does he get involved? Does he try and throw a block? Um, watch a guy who's got a who's on the edge when the when the ball's coming his way. Watch how he reacts. Kwan Williams, I know you're a Broncos fan. Uh, Mark Kwan Williams puts his body on the line at nickel corner spot to set an edge. That's a guy with heart. And it was going back to Albert Okawebenam, who's been in the news, who just signed, who was just traded with the Philadelphia Eagles. My question with him, a guy who hasn't played any special teams, who's been discarded by three separate coaching staffs in Denver, is that ticker? That mm-hmm. that was a question I had about him. Does he have the want to, the toughness to get out there and do the job? Because he's 6'5", 260 pounds, running four fives, yeah. and he's been discarded by three separate coaching staffs. Yeah, so uh, keeping it going here, the ball rolling, uh, Scott. We talked a little bit about the AFC East there. Uh, any chance uh, for the uh, Dolphins and the uh, Patriots this year? I mean, Patriots have been kind of an afterthought here uh, this season here. Uh, the Dolphins have been in the news a bit, but I think I heard a stat that the Dolphins have the hardest quarterback schedule that any team's had in like the last three years. Like the if you look at the ones that they're going against, it's like, holy cow like so many great quarterbacks are up against this year uh, i think that if i was picking the order of the, the division it'd be bills jets dolphins patriots right now we'll see just how good that patriots defense can be i think the dolphins and jets are i would still give the the dolphins a little bit of an edge over the jets i just hmm. I, i'm 
I'm a, I have to see it to a believe it thing. I'm, I have a yeah. hard time getting all hyped up about acquisitions until I see how they're going to play together. Yeah. Uh, we've been burned on that too many times. It, it can sometimes take a year or two for it to really come together. We're talking Miami, right? How about LeBron James down with the heat? You know, it took more than a season. It didn't just all come together. And that's with five guys on the court. Um, I like the dolphins in here. If Tua stays healthy, that's a big if, um, we pray for pray for him. I don't, don't want to see him with another concussion. It could have long, long-term effects for him. That uh, I, I like the Dolphins in this. So, yeah, I think they've got a real good chance. And then we'll see what injuries do. I think I saw the I saw a stat that said the teams that played against uh, starting quarterbacks and had a percentage. Falcons faced 56% of starters last year. Uh, mm-hmm. They were playing the backup, you know, including that San Francisco game uh, almost half the time last season. So that helps explain how they got worse statistically in almost every category and still won seven games. Um, It's part of it. But yeah, for me, the Bills, then I think it's a a toss-up between the Jets and Dolphins, depending on health uh, and all those things. And I still think the Patriots are on the outside looking in because I don't don't believe in Mac Jones. I still don't think they have their quarterback. And and they don't have to have Tom Brady, but I think they have to do better than Mac Jones. And they're just so deficient in the weaponry department too. I know that we've kind of been trenches, 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 but you got to have some playmakers on the outside that can just do thinking, do things, you know, guys who are, you talk about getting easy points as well. Having a playmaker is like having a crazy athlete in basketball that can run the floor and get you an easy layup. You got to have the ability to get those transition points. And I think the playmakers kind of translate. We're talking post. We're talking, we're talking run and gun. We're talking, I haven't watched basketball in years, but I I still, think like the stuff I don't even know or do they just do they even go into the paint anymore or do they just stand outside the threes and shoot it's all about shooting the threes baby the efficiency. transition yep transition <laughs> baskets play, what's that? <laughs> transition baskets and uh post play and th- three-pointers yeah, for sure Mark Lindemotzen who do you believe will stand out as a rookie quarterback this year uh I guess it's going to be Bryson will probably be the guy who stands out for the consistency this season. I think he's probably the best set up uh, talking about weapons. I don't really love outside of Mingo, uh, the weaponry of the Panthers right now. I think they're pretty slow uh, overall in terms of the athletes on the outside. Uh, But for splash plays, I think Anthony Richardson is going to make some be a volatile player. I'll put it that way. He's going to have some plays that are like, Oh, like Josh Allen kind of early on. It's like, how is that guy doing that? And then the head scratching, you know, 30 yard sack or throwing it into double coverage. He just needs reps. Uh, he didn't have a lot of throws on tape at uh, Florida as well. So he's going to be the most fun, but I think probably the safe bet is Bryce Young. Yeah. I think if you're looking consistency and people, people will be watching uh, highlights. I don't even say sports center. I don't think anybody watches sports center anymore. You will be watching highlights on the net. Uh, we'll be watching highlights of games and, and and on Twitter and plays. And you're, you're going to think that Anthony Richardson had the best year of the bunch because he's going to put the highlight reel together. That's going to make your jaw drop. Mm-hmm. But the inconsistency I think will be there also. Whereas Bryce young will have those plays. Maybe not as many because you know, we're talking two very physically different human beings. He'll be more consistent. I think Bryce Young is going to be a problem for the NFL. I really do. I've, I, I just, I believe in this kid. I know he's small. I know he is, yeah. but the rules have changed. They protect the quarterbacks. You can't hit them low. You can't do this. You can't do that. Uh, I know he's small, Nick. I just think he's th- he's that damned good. I think he's good. I need to see it still uh, because while they are protecting the quarterbacks, hits still happen. I mean, we saw it last year with Tua who is much more built 
uh, than Bryce Young is. And it just takes, you know, you're still going to get hit. Uh, yeah. Even if they are protecting those guys, they're talking and the athletes on the defensive line have gotten, but I don't think the size protects you. I'm more worried about the size and his ability to throw it out of the pocket than I am about how he's going. How's that going to, will he be able to withstand the pounding? All these guys get hurt. Yeah. I mean, unless you're Ben Roethlisberger, you know, they, they, they all get hurt. You know, they, they get hit, their knees go or elbows or ribs or something. Yeah, we'll we'll see uh, what it looks like uh, for him going forward. He's a good quarterback. I don't know if he's got incredible traits to translate to be a top five quarterback. Maybe I'm a little bit too starstruck by, you know, the Josh Allens of the world doing things. Justin Herbert's with those, you know, superhero arms because uh, you have guys like Joe Burrow who do not have the superhero traits that can do everything and anything. Uh, so we'll be fun. Uh, we got Keith saying, I can't believe Alabama believe in an Alabama quarterback in the NFL until proven otherwise helmet scouting. I mean, you can say the same for Ohio state with fields and all these guys. I'm a doubter until see it on the field in the NFL level. And uh, speaking of doubt, go real ahead. quick, I'll name three. Okay. Um, Keith, you might not be old enough, but Jalen hurts is an Alabama quarterback. He played his last year at Oklahoma, but he played three years at Alabama. Mm-hmm. I would claim him if I was Alabama. I will claim him for Alabama. They recruited him. He played three years there. He counts. Now you got to go back a ways. But you got the snake and you got Broadway Joe. Yeah. Those were both Alabama guys. Uh, Kenny Stabler, Joe Namath. But yeah, it's... Um, it's and, and I think Tua is proven. He's just... Uh, I, I think Tua is proven that he can play in this league, that he is a plus player in this league. It's just he's, he's getting his eggs scrambled. Yeah, yeah. Things have changed. You know, yeah. they they've changed. The the Alabama has changed the way they do things over the course of Nick Saban's tenure. They've gone from a ground and pound to, you know, a spread and wide receiver. You. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch Alabama this year too. Uh, not to make it a college football podcast, but they have questions at quarterback. I guess Georgia and Alabama were through avenues communicating with uh, Drake, Drake May, May at North Carolina. And he ends up staying at North Carolina. That Michael Jordan money, uh, the Nike money is pretty good there at North Carolina. Uh, but uh, that's uh, interesting to see what happens in the SEC this year. It feels as up for grabs as it has been for a few years. Uh, but that said, it'll probably still end up being Georgia, Alabama in the playoffs. I think with Pardon rookies, the, to put a pin on the rookie quarterback one or, you know, to. Yeah. To, to be done with it, not put a pen in it, however <laughs> we want to say it, to, to say we're done with it, put a bow on it, to put a bow on it. Um, I, I think it's between those two. I think C.J. Stroud, I, I think the team is so far behind mm-hmm. that it's going to be tough. It's going to be a Justin Fields rookie year type of year for for uh, for C.J. Stroud. I like C.J. Stroud. I just think they're, they're in a little bit of trouble. Um, going back through talking about, you know, some of the division winners, made me think one of the things I wanted to talk about were some of the over-unders on win totals here. And I just mentioned C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. I'm going to say the over-under. You're going to tell me over or under. Just real quick, first thoughts. Houston Texans, FanDuel. These are all from FanDuel. Uh, Over-under on wins, six and a half. I'll go under. I'll go under. (laughs) I'll go under. Arizona Cardinals, four and a half. Under. Under, I'll go under too. They are freaking tanking with a capital T T T T. Yeah. Tennessee Titans, seven and a half. 
Oh man, can I say pass? <laughs> That's a you tough can. team. I'll, I'll take I'll take over on that though. I, I think they are a team that constantly gets overlooked. The AFC is so tough, but the AFC South outside of Jacksonville, I don't want. I wouldn't touch. They so, get six games against the Colts, the Jaguars, and the Texans. Jags. They are good. get four games against the Falcons, Saints, Panthers, and Buccaneers. Okay, that's we'll go over. That's a and then they have ten more games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I they can Jags go four are... and three in that bunch, and yeah. I, I think and then they'd only have to win what? What I say it was seven and a half. Then they'd have to go four and six the rest of the way. I think the Jags ones are tough wins. I do also, too, but you yeah. can get a split at those at home. Maybe um, I think Tennessee's <laughs> overlooked. I do. Yeah. Um, and speaking, I just mentioned the AFC South and NFC South. Um, Jaguars and the NFC South, I think, is a is a tougher pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I'm I'm going to continue to take the Falcons in the NFC South, but I'm going to take the Falcons too in the NFC South just because of the improvements they've made across the board. We mentioned it at the top of the show. Uh, I think that the Saints are still a little bit unproven under their new coach. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of new in Carolina. That said. I think it'll come down to those three at the end and they'll be within two games of each other with four games to play. Um, I I think the one team that I'm discounting, so they'll probably win it is the Buccaneers. I think the Panthers, the saints and the Falcons could all win it. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to take it this year. I think they're, they're feeling the effects of paying for a super bowl of which is worth it. You, you, you mortgage your future to win a super bowl. If you win it, good for you. There might be some lean years as you fight through the salary cap and any draft picks you had to give up to go for it at the time. So be yep. it. Good for you. You won the Super Bowl. Go through a couple of lean years and rebuild. Yep. Similar to the Rams. Uh, right now you did it. Not many teams have that uh, young franchise quarterback. So you did it and leave. Uh, so good for them. Uh, sold your soul maybe a little bit. Same, same with Denver. They sold their soul. Hopefully they bounce back. Not Tampa. I don't, I'm not pulling for them to bounce back. But uh, the uh, bounce back. The AFC, the NFC North, the AFC South and NFC South get a lot of shtick for our being bad. Well, the over-unders in the NFC North on win totals, the highest one is only nine and a half. Hmm. So you got the Bears at seven and a half, the Packers at seven and a half, the Vikings at eight and a half, and the Lions at nine and a half. Does that sound about right to you or... You know, in this case, they've got the Lions winning the division and the Vikings taking a big drop, and the the uh, people are discounting Jordan Love and the Packers. That's the big wild card for me. Again, on paper, doesn't mean they're going to be good, but on paper, that uh, Packers defense has so many first round draft picks on it, especially in their defensive front, and that's a way for me to you know love some names out there. I mean, the rotation that they have at edge is unbelievable. Uh, last season, a guy that we liked a lot for the uh, Falcons, who they didn't end up going, fell, I think he fell to the fifth round. Kingsley Enigbare had a good season last year, good rotational peach, piece. They take Lucas Van Ness. You have Rashawn Geary coming back. Uh, you took uh, Wyatt, I believe was the name. The name's already escaping me. That other really good defensive tackle from Georgia uh, last season, he's out there. Kenny Clark might be one of the most underrated defensive tackles in football. Packers defense looks pretty darn good. J.R. Jer- Alexander should be healthy again. Uh, so we'll see about that Packers defense. It comes down to, you know, what Jordan Love does, how he is. So he, they might be the most wild card of wild card teams this season because uh, it really is. I mean, 
Jordan Love entering year five in the NFL. Good arm talent. I remember that down at Utah State. So we'll see. I'll probably take the Lions as well. I mean, last season we saw the defense. They were horrific to start the year. Started to tackle better. Uh, they invested a good bit on that unit as well. I think Jack Campbell uh, is going to have a solidifying presence for that whole defense. I mean, he just oozes culture and consistency out there. And then that offensive line for the Lions. I mean, that is shows up every week. You know what you're getting. You're going to be able to dictate every single week what you want to do. Uh, and it makes it really easy. The play-action drop game. Amon Ra is super underrated. You add uh, Jair Gibbs as well. So I, I would take the Lions here. It's hard to get behind the Lions just because the Lions let you down. And and mm-hmm. being a, an Atlanta sports fan, I can say that with empathy. <laughs> uh, and, and I think most neutrals would root for the Lions. Like, we want these guys. They've, they've had enough failure. We, we want you to succeed. We're, we're kind of rooting for you. Mm-hmm. The Vikings have had their time. The Bears and Packers have had their time. You know, the, the Bears and Packers especially. Um, that I think most neutrals would probably pull would find that this Lions team is a fairly easy team to root for. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, big storylines. I think one of the big national storylines that is going around and is a big question mark that will f- get a first quiz on the 17, you know, 17 game semester. Mm-hmm. The first quiz can Sean Payton revive Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos? What say you? I I'm not sure. Uh, God, it's a really it's it's a tough one. Uh, what do you think? I, I'm curious. You know, you've obviously thought about it. You set me up there, but I'm just I'm totally. I feel like I'm almost too close to the situation. Yeah, I I think again. I think it's going to come down to expectations. Mm-hmm. Is he going to turn Russell Wilson back into a nine-time Pro Bowler who's playing at the height of his powers and and engineering fourth quarter comebacks with his, his legs and his magicianry. No, I don't, I don't think the Broncos are going to get that guy. I think that guy might be gone. Fortunately for the Denver Broncos, I think the guy they saw last year was an aberration. You know, anybody coming in the, you know, the, the Seahawks fans that would come in and troll the Broncos fans. We told you he was, you know, declining. He was on his way down. Yeah, but no, no, no. There's a decline, and then there's, you know, I like to say take his rating and how he played, put it on a line graph. Here's 2010 dot, 2011 dot, and he's not quite that old. But put it on a dot, and it's going to be pretty high, and then you might see it starting to steady come down towards the last couple of years, which he made a Pro Bowl his last year in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to go boom, and there's going to be a straight line down. That's the aberration for me. I don't think you see that guy again either. Yeah. I mean, it comes back somewhere up in the middle, and it's going to yeah. make him an average quarterback, not the Russell Wilson you traded for, not the Russell Wilson you gave a $200 million contract to, but not the Russell Wilson you saw last year, which was incompetent. Um, and, and, and just the entire offense was discombobulated. So will Sean Payton make Russell Wilson and the Broncos better? Absolutely. How much? To be continued. The thing that really bothers me about this Russell Wilson stuff, and I think he's going to be much better than last season, but we keep putting these qualifiers on him to be successful. You know, if he has a great run game, if they simplify the offense, if it's play action, we're talking about setting him up for success like you are a quarterback. Any quarterback. Or, or I'm saying a Desmond rookie contract. Ritter. Yeah, a rookie contract quarterback. <laughs> you know, you are setting him up. He is the 
the pilot, not the plane, you know, driving the bus, as I think uh, Bucky, Bucky Brooks likes to talk about the trailer, not the truck. Uh, so he is getting pulled along here, and I think he can be that, but that's not who you traded for. Yep. That's not what the contract says, and that's not new, who you need him to be, considering your lack of capital and your expenditures, if you are going to have any chance at competing with the Chiefs over the next three to five seasons. Yep. So I think that they can get a average quarterback from him if, again, these qualifiers on it, if the run game is there, if they are simplifying the reads, if they are using a lot of successful play action, and if Sean Payton is still one of those top five, top seven offensive minds in football. But that is not what you traded for. That's not what the contract says. And it puts Denver in such a tough spot because the resources they gave up all around, picks and uh, draft picks and salary cap, make it that you can't build this insulated model for him. He has to be more than that for them to be successful. And I just don't know if that happens. Right. And the, the thought being <clears throat> that they were a quarterback away, the Denver Broncos were a quarterback away, and maybe they were, maybe they are. We didn't really get to find out last year because Nathaniel Hackett was in so far over his head as a first-year head coach, and the, the entire dynamic of that team was bad. It was bad. Now, there's no doubt who's in charge of this team. No yeah. doubt. Former Super Bowl winner, a guy who turned around one of the worst franchises in NFL history and turned them into a perennial playoff contender and won a Super Bowl in the Saints. That's no easy feat. No. Um, you know, yes, I live in Atlanta. I'm not wrong about the Saints. I'd say the same thing about the Falcons. No. The, the, they're, they're both 31 and 32 and maybe 30 with the Buccaneers in history going up to about 2010. So Peyton will make this team better. You just think, I've seen enough, but from Russell Wilson and his arm and the, what he's still able to do with the ball, that he can be a plus quarterback in this league. Will yeah. he? We'll see. We'll see. Will he ever be the best one that, you know, you're going to get the best version of him? Is he going to go and win a couple of MVPs like Aaron Rodgers at 37 years old? No. No, I don't think he's that guy. And the other thing about just this context of Russell Wilson's quarterback positioning in the league is that I think there are so many good young quarterbacks right now entering their prime specifically in the AFC that the bar I think is different. I mean, for years now we were talking about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and then you also had, you know, Roethlisberger and uh, Rogers were in maybe, you know, Matt that, Ryan. <laughs> maybe Matt Ryan for a couple of years too. Yeah. Uh, but now you're in talking Mahomes is obviously in a tier of his own, but you have Burrow, you have Allen, you have Herbert, you have uh, Lamar Jackson, you have Jalen Hurts. I mean, it just it just goes on and on. It's specific, specifically in the AFC too. It's unbelievable the quarterback talent there. So that bar has changed. Where you can be slotted has changed. Just because I think there's so much talent right now. So Trevor Lawrence also, I think he's in for a big year. I think I don't know. I haven't looked at the Super Bowl odds for a bit, but as far as dark horses go, I think the Jags might be my lowest one. That I'm like I might toss a few some money on the Jags here uh, because they have a route to get into the playoffs, and I think Lawrence is in for a very good year. Uh, so AFC is just unbelievable. Young quarterbacks right now. It's uh, it's crazy. And it makes it hard for Russell Wilson to break through given what they gave up for him, given how much of the salary cap he's taken. Mark says, Oh my, I remember the NFC South always being terrible. No, you don't No, No, you don't. And why I say that is because when realignment happened and the NFC South was put together was when those teams I mentioned hit their golden golden times. 
All four teams from the NFC South when they were put together made a Super Bowl. All four of them. And they traded mm-hmm. off. One of those things. How come Sean Payton only won one Super Bowl with the with Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints? Because the Buccaneers won a Super Bowl. The Falcons went to a Super Bowl. The Panthers went to a Super Bowl. It was a gauntlet. The NFC mm-hmm. South was the best division in football for several years. Now It was the, always the NFC East, wasn't it? Everybody wanted to watch the Giants. In the that was Cowboys. in the 80s. That was know, when... But that was when the the Falcons were in the West playing with the juggernaut of the 49ers. The Buccaneers, who were they in with? Were they weren't in with the East? They weren't in the West. Were they in with like the the old St. Louis Cardinals or something? So before my time. Uh, yeah, they I weren't in with the East because the East was the you know, was Washington, New York, Dallas, Philly, you know, and mm-hmm. in the seventies and eighties and stuff, and then the nineties juggernaut of the Dallas Cowboys. That was the East. Um, the NFC West had, you know, you'd go out. And the Saints were in the West. So it was the Rams, 49ers, Saints, and Falcons. That was easy pickings. That was five wins a, five wins a season for the 49ers back then. But after realignment, the NFC South was good. This is as bad. These last two years are as bad as the NFC South's ever been. Uh, the NFC South's been solid. Uh, I think um, – Fallen Angel says that the Bucks were in the NFC North. Honestly, I don't remember. They were irrelevant. They 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 were they were they were they were awful. They mm-hmm. were Detroit Lions. They were New Orleans Saints. They were Atlanta Falcons. Those were if you go and look at winning percentages, those are like 29, 31, and 32 with the Lions in in, in NFL history. On that note, boy, we were all over the place today. We've hit an hour. Didn't hit on some of the topics we wanted to talk about. Um but we went on to some some new things. I hope y'all enjoyed the show. Yeah, this is our last Friday before we start breaking down football. Next week we've got a we'll be back at nine o'clock on Friday morning. We'll have some football to talk about because there is Week One Thursday night football kickoff. We'll start getting into some NFL draft. We'll start talking about uh, winners and losers from the week. We'll try not to overreact to what we see from one week. It'll mm-hmm. be hard sometimes, but we'll do what we can. Uh, tell a friend. Uh, you know, yeah. see if you can uh, spread the love, you know, like and share and do all that type of stuff. See if we can't grow the show and have some more fun on Friday mornings. Appreciate everybody being here. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll see you all next time. Peace.